Tuesday, March 31st. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me today, Bill Barker. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. And by here, I mean your home, because obviously we're social distancing and all of that. At some point, I'll just stop telling people, you know, because I think we're going to be doing this for a while. So, uh, so th- this seems as good a day as any to just say, yeah, we're because it's the last day of the quarter. We're wrapping up Q1, and it is the worst quarter since 1987. So, good riddance, Q1. Uh, yeah, not a lot of fun out there. Uh, and uh, next quarter promises, uh, in many ways, to be even worse. So we got that going for us. <laughs> you, you're saying that 90 days from now, I'm going to be saying uh, it's the last day of Q2, and it's the worst quarter since the last one we just had. Well, not in terms of the movement of stock prices. I don't expect it to outduel uh, this quarter for the price of stocks. But I think uh, there are other categories in which Q1 is expected. Uh, to be worse, and that's why the stock market is down so much. Is uh, it is a mechanism for looking forward, and the uh, near term looks uh, very challenging. Second quarter numbers uh, projections are, you know, call it sort of uh, GDP off fifteen percent. I can find plenty of people to estimate it's going to be worse than that, and some that estimate it will be uh, around there a little better. But you know, pencil that one in for for the moment. Well, let's get to some of the news today, and it's uh, it's a lot of food news today. Um, starting first and foremost with Conagra Brands, uh, they came out with their third quarter report. Profits and revenue were a little lower than expected, but their guidance for the full fiscal year was pretty encouraging, and I think that's why shares of Conagra are up about five percent today. Yeah. Now, the fiscal year is three quarters finished and one quarter to go. And so, they are projecting the next quarter specifically to be uh, pretty good. And it's uh, for their March numbers, I think the retail business, you want to take a guess at, at how much a consumer retail business was up? And they, they have a lot of brands that you would know and love, um, Orville Redenbacher, Slim Health, Jim, Duncan Health, Hines. Yeah, Duncan Hines, Healthy Choice, Hunt's Tomato Sauce. I mean, they've got, this is this is one of those conglomerates where uh, chances are you've got at least one Conagra brand product, if not more, in your kitchen or pantry. Yes, um, and you you grew up with a lot of them too. So uh, anyway, the brands uh, retail sales expected to be up fifty percent um, domestically for March, and that's like that sounds amazing. That's going to be offset by uh, the the business side, which is going to be off by a similar amount. But they're much more of a consumer retail sales business uh, than a supplier to. Uh, um, you know, larger businesses. Uh, yeah, I mean, th- this uh, this was, I think, kind of encouraging. Um, and I, I don't own shares of Conagra Brands, but um, again, it, as I continue to look to the public markets for any sign of encouragement, uh, whether it's macro or just on a company by company basis, um, this was good to see. Yeah, I mean they're they're getting the benefit of people being stuck at home. Uh, we're, you know, in our homes doing this for a reason, and we have, I'm sure, stocked up. Uh, and the the house is more full of food 
than typical. And some things have been hoarded, uh, not that they're in the business of the kinds of things that get hoarded, but they are selling a lot of things that last. And so people are buying more of those things which are non-perishable and um, on hand in case they're stuck and, and simply can't get food delivered for some reason, or they want to space out their trips to the grocery store as much as possible. All that is aggregating to uh, ConAgra's benefit today. You know, it's not really going to change the business long term. So today's catch up uh, sort of replaces some of the, the weakness that the stock has seen. But, you know, it's been been, uh, you know, more close to flat over the last six months and year than most other things that you can think of. We can add dominoes to the list of companies that have withdrawn fiscal guidance, and not unexpected uh, when you consider their business, their business model, and there are just there are just way too many X factors. And shares of Domino's are down about six percent today. This is one of those great businesses that I don't own shares of. And uh, I'm not going to lie, there's a part of me that would love to see Domino's stock get knocked down another 20% on top of this, in the same way that Starbucks falling from the mid-80s to, I think, the mid-50s or maybe the high-50s provided an entry point for a lot of people. Um, Domino's down today. Selfishly, I'd love to see it drop more. Yeah, it's down around twenty dollars, which is only about five percent because it's a three hundred dollars stock. Uh, it's up beginning to today uh, of the coronavirus era because it had uh, a really, really tremendous uh, earnings report a little over a month ago, middle of December, uh, February, and so today's numbers were actually kind of pedestrian um, in terms of the the large amounts that you think that a business may be changing at the moment. Uh, Same-store sales were up 1.6% for the preliminary first quarter same-store sales were up 1.6%. And they were expected to be up about 2.9%. People were factoring in the increased delivery, which is there, but offsetting that, you got a lot of sporting events not happening. We'll we'll touch on that uh, again this show. Uh, and uh, colleges, universities have sent everybody home. So a lot of you know the the event driven orders and the student orders. Uh, students probably finding that uh, their parents might not be ordering as much pizza as as they're used to at college. I'm sure it's still a big part of the diet, but uh, all that is. Uh, Factoring in, and today Domino's is up. Um, you know, sales are up a little bit for the quarter. Uh, business is solid, but uh, they didn't get the sort of boost from uh, all this ex- extra delivery that some were factoring in. But this is one of those businesses that uh, I don't expect to change. There, and, and later in the show, we'll talk about at least one industry that is is probably facing some pretty significant change. When we think about what is the world going to be like. At the end of 2020, where, you know, or into 2021, when we're past this, when there is a vaccine, all that sort of thing, Domino's is one of those businesses that I just look at, and that's that's why I say I'd love to see it knock down another 20 percent, because I think the future of Domino's is going to look a whole lot like the great business that we saw the past decade. Uh, yeah, it's been a, a phenomenal performer for 
a long time as, as a business and as a stock. It has not gone unnoticed, and I'm sure you've had opportunity to cover its quarterly returns many times. Uh, so, no, I don't think it changes. I think it's just a strong business getting stronger. Uh, it's returned 22% a year as a stock for the last 15 years uh, versus the market 7%. So, that that gives you a, a, an understanding of just what this com- company has been doing and for how long it's been doing it. So, all manner of business uh, is you know, business leaders are, are looking at their balance sheet whether they're running a, a huge public company or just a small local business, they're looking at their balance sheet and they're thinking about, how can we shore this up? How can we get additional funding? Uh, sticking with the food theme, Yum Brands um, uh, raising a little bit of money. Uh, and by a little bit, I mean $600 million. Um, but the Yum Brands sold $600 million worth of junk-rated debt and they say they're going to put this to use for general corporate purposes. Why do you think they went this route? I mean, they're they're paying a higher interest rate. Um, is this the best move they could have made if they were looking to raise this money? Well, it's a regular uh, course of business. They issue debt and uh, retire debt to keep uh, issuing new debt and retiring old debt and sort of maintain uh a level that they're looking to. They have a capital allocation model, how much of the company is going to be funded with equity, how much is going to be funded with debt. And uh, yeah, they, I think, last went out to the market in uh, December, I think, and you know, we've got uh, $800 million, uh, in September, excuse me, for 10-year debt with a yield of uh, 4.75. So, they're you know, it's a, it's five-year debt at, at a higher rate, 7.75% today. Still, you know, for a business, it, one of the things that brought this story to light is this is the first, uh, quote-unquote, junk uh, debt, uh, which has come to market since March 4th. Uh, the high-yield markets have been open for business and have been um, operating at least over the last week. Uh, reasonably smoothly uh, after the Fed did some things that uh, improved their performance. So, there's been a normal sort of uh, healthy investment-grade debt, as we call it, uh, and recently, Yum! had its um, you know debt rating downgraded, so into the quote-unquote junk category. But I, I think that makes it sound worse than it is. I think, I think Yum! is going to be good good for paying this debt back, and 7.75% might not be a bad buy at all for, uh, for debt. If, the, if uh, you know, people were out there buying it, I'm, I'm not surprised uh, that they're attracted uh, to Yum being able to pay this, this off. Well, if it's not as bad as you say, then I think someone needs to do a rebranding of the category. I mean, just the fact that the word junk is in there is one of those, I mean, that's, come on. <laughs> like you, you can understand why I my initial reaction was, oh God, why are they doing that? Well, they would call it high yield instead of junk. Uh, that's uh, junk is uh, you know a term that's thrown around and uh, it's not uh, not used by the companies themselves. They didn't say eh, we went out and uh, issued some junk debt today, some junk bonds, but uh, that's what uh, it gets translated to in the press. And uh, you know, if you are buying 
some sort of ETF that follows this kind of debt, you're going to find it under the high yield category, uh, not the junk bonds. So that's, that's where you can go shopping for debt of this kind. Uh, also in the category of uh, finding ways to shore up the balance sheet, we also saw um, uh, over in the UK, uh, Imperial Brands, uh, British American Tobacco, um, you know, both announcing uh, deals for uh, new credit lines uh, to the tune of multi-billion dollars. Yes. Uh, and the best time to uh, get credit or to issue debt is when you don't need it. Now, this sort of distinguishes uh, what the tobacco companies have been able to do. Their business is basically unaltered, according to uh, their guidance. Um, they're not seeing a big hit to sales. Uh, that's not any great surprise. Uh, those who are smokers are going to keep smoking, one assumes. And uh, that is, you know, you can get it uh, at all the stores that are going to be open. So there's no, you know, interruption of, of supply or demand there. Nevertheless, a lot of businesses have been going out uh, to either establish new lines of credit or to draw down on existing ones just to have cash on hand. Maybe it's to be ready in case the whole economy goes sideways in a way that is beyond what we see right now. Maybe it's to be ready uh, and make an acquisition um, on, on short notice if, if something a less uh, financially healthy competitor um, needs to be bailed out in some manner. So uh, I, I think that this is... Uh, Good move by the companies. It's one that uh, is is about as popular right now as withdrawing guidance. Uh, it's it's really kind of the same category. It's we don't know what will happen. Therefore, let's get our hands on a lot of cash if we can get it at a good price, and let's not make any predictions about next quarter. So one of the things I think a lot of us at the Motley Fool are expecting in this next wave of earnings that's coming out in April. We're expecting, well, one, we're expecting it to be bad. And two, we're expecting businesses that have any kind of bad news uh, may pull that forward and release it in this quarter just because they, the expectations are so low. It's like, you know what, let's just get all the garbage out in one quarterly report if we can. With that as backdrop, do you expect British American Tobacco to take this window of opportunity to rebrand the company if only if only because you know when you rebrand you take a hit to earnings and i am i am on record that the name british american tobacco is cheating there is no such thing as british american like if you go, go out to people and say yeah that guy seems kind of like a kind of a british american type to me like what would that mean what what is it what is <laughs> I mean, these are two adjectives which collide and do not uh, supplement each other. They contradict each other is my, you know, that's what I'm saying. You, you don't get to sell more tobacco just by trying to pander to both sides of the Atlantic. <laughs> I In mean, it's worked, it's worked for them to this point, hasn't it? <laughs> I, I don't know. Are you, are you smoking any of their brands? I'm not smoking any brands. <laughs> well, it's, apparently they could be doing a better job is what I'm saying. Because they don't have you, they don't have me. And, and, you know, they've got cool brands, cool. That's one of their brands. Um, so, uh, anyway, I, I, to 
address your point as if I were meant to be taking it seriously on what companies are going to be doing um, generally with uh, taking uh, what what is known as a big bath in terms of taking lots of losses all at once. I think, yeah, the second quarter is going to be perhaps a record setter for that. Any company that is restructuring or has um, a loss that it wants to take on an, on an investment it made, an acquisition that needs to uh, write that down. I think that uh, everybody is going to hope that they get a pass on their second quarter numbers and um, act accordingly so that they, they have much better uh, second half numbers and, and can get all their losses uh, out of the way uh, when it looks like, you know, generally the market may be forgiving for that. So, as we all spend more time indoors listening to podcasts and watching streaming video, the movie business continues to take a hit because the movie business... What are you as, watching? What are you as, streaming? You got any recommendations I, before I let you get to, the, to a point? <laughs> um, uh, you know, I, I haven't watched Tiger Man yet, but I watched the trailer for it, and holy cow, does that thing look intriguing. Okay. <laughs> that, uh, There's been a little talk about that one. Yeah. Um, so, uh, no, I've, I've mainly just been doing, uh, movies here and there, um, rewatching some old, uh, classics, but then, uh, watching some, some new movies. Um, what about you? Uh, yeah, trying to catch the kids up on the, on the classics. Uh, and I think next on the list, uh, that they are going to sit down and watch whether they like it or not, uh, the Godfather, which they're going to like and, uh, the sting. I think are, are the top of my list for movies which they are not allowed uh, to leave the house uh, before seeing. Boy, the, I mean, obviously, The, the Godfather is an all-time classic, but The Sting, I, I think last year, showed that to my kids and loved it. I mean, that is just, that, that's a classic in a different way, but that is, that is a movie that holds up so well. Hmm. And, and, and it, so to get to the movie point that you were going to make... Oh, I, said, I, I was just going to uh, put a button on that and saying, and um, boy, young Robert Redford. Holy cow, was he good looking. I mean, old Robert Redford is good looking, but young Robert Redford. Wow. I mean, Paul Newman fans out there are going to be a little outraged that you're dismissing Paul Newman's uh, contributions as a good looking man just because Redford's in the picture. Um, uh, no question, Newman's uh, really good looking. But that, uh, when I think about his movies, just in terms of like, wh what are the movies where Paul Newman looks great? The Sting isn't isn't at the top of that list. It's more like Cool Hand Luke, um, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. I mean, he, he, you know, he's Paul Newman. Of course, he's he Paul looks Newman. Good the, That's what I'm looks saying. Good I'm sticking sting. up for a Paul Newman fans right now, <laughs> and right now you're you're all it's all Robert Redford. In your mind. Let's get back to the actual news. Um, so we, we had uh, two more summer blockbuster movies um, get pushed off. Um, and th these are the tentpole movies that really prop up um, the movie business and the movie theater business. And in this case, it's Sony announcing that Ghostbusters Afterlife is going to be delayed, not just later this year. They're pushing it to 2021. Marvel doing the same thing with Morbius, pushing that to 2021. And this is on top of the rescheduling, sort of pushing out of the Wonder Woman sequel, uh, Black Widow, the the whatever was going to be the next Fast and the Furious movie, uh, the sequel to A Quiet Place, and it, it's just 
you know, these movie theaters really depend on the, the summer season and it's looking worse and worse for them. Yeah. And it hasn't been a good last decade or two for movie theaters to start. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know whether they're one of the, um, industries that is in line to benefit particularly from the the recent legislation um but uh you know i i think that this in many ways this episode uh, that we're going through is going to speed up uh, some inevitable things uh such as decline in malls this is going to put additional pressure and is going to shift more sales uh, online has already and and people who are late adopters to that um you know are, are, are going to be changing their habits going forward and i think that this is the movie theaters is another industry which is in long-term decline um much as you and i who grew up uh, going to a lot of movies would like to see it otherwise but um i, I boy they're they're in for a tough year unless there's lots and lots of money to bail them out and I, by the way, I think that putting Ghostbusters as a tentpole movie in the same category with Wonder Woman and Marvel and Bond is is welcome to the Ghostbusters brand, which is uh, operating under a little bit of pressure, I would say. I agree with that, although I think the, the early buzz on the movie and the way it was being positioned in the, uh, in the schedule, I think, was setting it up to, to, to do quite well. And certainly, for a movie studio like Sony, um, you know, it, I, I understood why they were positioning it the way they did. So you got Ghostbusters, huge movie, the original. Yeah. Then you got Ghostbusters two, meh. And then you got the the recent Ghostbusters, which was what was that called? Was that just called Ghostbusters? The um, Leslie Jones and Kate McKinnon one. You didn't uh, see it. I'm looking at you. The, the, the listeners I, can't see you. I can, we've got the Zoom, so I can see you. And you're, you're furrowing your brow because you're embarrassed that you don't know the answer to that question. No, I, I, I'm not embarrassed. I don't know the answer to the question. I was just thinking, wait, do I know the name of that movie? And I don't. Um, I didn't see it. it did, I know that financially it was a success. But, uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's not the, the Ghostbusters franchise because now we're about to, you know, we're talking about the fourth movie. That franchise certainly not as valuable as the Marvel universe, as the Bond franchise, or even for that matter, the Fast and the Furious. No, you've got uh, you, you've got one home run and a couple of, uh, you know, I don't know what what you call the other ones. Not home runs. Uh, yeah, I think the the first one was a home run. I think the most recent one was probably like uh, you know a double off the wall, and I think the uh, the sequel was a a, a dribbler ground out to first base, yeah, where, where, couple, where the runner doesn't Saturday, even keep running. You got a couple of the Saturday morning cartoons from back in the day as well, competing brands, as I recall. There were like two different Saturday morning cartoons because of the the licensing and, and legal issues were such that uh, somehow there were competing claims on the brand. Look it up. I, I know. I'll take your word for it. I'm just I'm just reminded once again how lawyers make everything better. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. 
As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.